Well, hello and welcome to H2 Tech Talk, the podcast series from H2 Tech, the new hydrogen technology journal from Gulf Energy Information. I'm Adrienne Bloom, Editor-in-Chief of H2 Tech and your host for H2 Tech Talk. This week, we'll be talking with Dr. Kelly Thomas, Vice President and Blast Effects Section Manager at Baker Engineering and Risk Consultants about hydrogen safety and risk. Before we get started with the discussion, I'd like to remind you to share and subscribe to the H2 Tech Talk podcast for more expert discussions on technology and trends in the hydrogen sector. It's easy to do. Just click the subscribe button on iTunes or Blueberry. So now I'll start by asking Dr. Thomas to introduce himself and his role at Baker Risk. Howdy. So I'm Kelly Thomas. I lead the blast section here at Baker Risk. And uh, Baker Risk in general exists to uh, help our clients manage, manage catastrophic risks, so fires, explosions, toxics, things of that sort. And I lead the blast section, and our main focus is on the development and application of models to predict blast loads from accidental explosions. And so we also do a lot of testing that's involved in characterizing explosions as well as the investigation of accidental explosions. So um, I want to launch into a few questions for you, and I want to start by um, making reference to you co-authored a great paper for our recently published inaugural issue of the H2 Tech Journal um, that was titled Hydrogen Fuel Risk Assessment and Differing Views of Ignitability. So for our podcast audience, uh, can you summarize the major points and conclusions of that paper and kind of explain why testing and insight into the probability of hydrogen release events is so important. Sure. The, uh, the main takeaway from that paper is that it ends up that there's a pretty wide range of, of estimates that subject matter experts give for the probability of either immediate or delayed ignition uh, of hydrogen. And that's important because the uh, a wide range in ignition probabilities uh, leads to a wide range of estimates and in terms of the risk that hydrogen facilities pose. Uh, so that is, if, if one assumed that uh, hydrogen always immediately ignited, that is, it had a very, very high immediate ignition probability, you'd conclude, well, the only thing that can happen is jet fires. Um, the other side of that coin is if you assume that there's low, or in some cases, as people do, a zero probability of delayed ignition, then you'd say there's no probability of explosions and that uh, vapor cloud explosions uh, don't really pose any risk uh, for hydrogen facilities. Uh, and neither of those statements is really true. The uh, probability of ignition uncertainty seems to be uh, dominated by the specifics of the release. And that, that seems to explain the spread we see of, of estimates for this. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, uh, testing uh, hydrogen releases and the ignition of hydrogen releases should help to explain that spread, to reduce that uncertainty, and hence to narrow the range of risk estimates associated with hydrogen facilities uh, to a, a more narrow band centered around reality. Uh, another area that the paper uh, touched on that's uh, relevant in terms of testing going forward deals with hydrogen vapor cloud explosions, and particularly the uh, a propensity or probability of having a deflagration to detonation transition with hydro with vapor cloud detonations uh, being potentially a lot more uh, damaging than, than a normal vapor cloud explosion. And also the uh, propagation of detonation and where detonation wave fails uh, will fail in a hydrogen air mixture. 
that's another area uh, where testing could be extremely relevant in terms of reducing the uh, spread of risk estimates associated with hydrogen facilities and narrowing those down to a band that's a little closer, more closely anchored in reality. Mm -hmm. So when we look at the hydrogen supply chain and the expanding infrastructure that um, that's being set up for, for hydrogen in terms of um, you know, it's used as a fuel or as backup energy storage, or um, it's used in natural gas infrastructure, the many different ways, um, or, you know, as fertilizer production, the many different ways that hydrogen um, is being and, and will be used in the future. Um, with, with respect to those different elements of different hydrogen supply chain, um, what, what segments are being safeguarded in particular to mitigate these risks of leaks and explosions, and how is this being accomplished? Sure, um, that's a good question. Um, and the, the reality is all aspects from hydrogen production to hydrogen transport to hydrogen distribution are, are being safeguarded. And, and the way that gets done is through uh, process safety management. And, and that really starts with uh, characterizing the, the risk of fire risk, blast risk associated with hydrogen operations, and then using that risk assessment to, to drive decisions about the, the siting of, of buildings where people will be housed, uh, the areas where operators will work, uh, control the layout and spacing associated with the facility, and, and where necessary, you know, to be able to decrease the frequency associated with, with releases in order to control the risk. So it, it spans all the way from where we're, we're producing hydrogen, either uh, in a refinery or, uh, or for green hydrogen production with electrolyzers mm -hmm. uh, through the transport and then the, the end use of that hydrogen as well. Mm -hmm. And it, it all really comes back to being aware that there is a hazard, uh, implementing a process safety management solution, uh, set of solutions in order to control that hazard. And, and as part of that, being able to really characterize the, uh, accurately the risk posed by those operations and to pick apart the elements of those risks so that the risk can be mitigated to a level that's tolerable. Mm -hmm. Are there any areas in particular that you think are of specific concern right now with developing infrastructure or that, you're work that you've worked on recently? Well, I, I, I would say that, that, that one problem area can be uh, a lack of recognition of the hazard. Mm -hmm. That is a, a belief that, that hydrogen doesn't pose any hazards mm -hmm. uh, or that uh, you cannot have, uh, for instance, vapor cloud explosions, that, mm -hmm. that you always immediately ignite hydrogen. Uh, and so it uh, can only pose a jet fire hazard or uh, another uh, equally untrue thought is that it always just floats away because it's buoyant, mm -hmm. that it can't form a flammable cloud. So, and that's particularly a, a, an issue for uh, companies that are, are new to hydrogen operations. Uh, the, the companies that have used hydrogen for years and years and, and refineries and chemical plants are already well aware of this and already have uh, robust process safety management uh, uh, programs and have already uh, characterized the risk associated with those operations and, and taken steps to, to mitigate it. It's more of an issue for, for people that are new to the industry that, that don't appreciate the hazard. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. So that kind of leads into my next question. You've investigated uh, hydrogen explosion incidents in the past. 
Um, are there any lessons learned from these investigations that you can share with our podcast audience? Sure. The, uh, the, the biggest one would be that hydrogen vapor cloud explosions are real. Uh, it's not a, a figment of one's imagination. Uh, hydrogen does not always immediately ignite uh, upon release. Mm -hmm. And hydrogen doesn't just float away when we're talking about large releases. When we're talking about a pinhole release, uh, then sure. Uh, the, the type of flammable zone you get from that release is very small and very quickly it dissipates. When we start to talk about uh, more catastrophic failures and a hydrogen system uh, where we have high pressure uh, gas available, well, then that's no longer a true statement. We can really develop a, a flammable vapor cloud. It can really uh, have delayed ignition. You can really have an explosion. So I've, mm -hmm. I've crawled through the wreckage and, and unfortunately know that that's true. Um, I would say a, a, another component that I've seen in some of those instances is just a, a lack of awareness of the hazard. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that really stems from believing things like it always immediately ignites, it always mm -hmm. floats away. So the, the personnel involved just didn't appreciate the hazard they were dealing with. And it all comes back to having a proper risk characterization so that you can address and mitigate those hazards. Mm -hmm. And so, I assume that risk assessments performed uh, before any of this, um, these infrastructure or, or um, you know, op operations go uh, go up or, or start running would be um, particularly helpful in these scenarios, correct? A absolutely. At, at a greenfield level, before you start actually uh, building the process is mm -hmm. where you want to start characterizing the risk. And obviously, it's, a, it's an evergreen process. Right, mm -hmm. it it takes it should take place before the facility is ever built, when it's early in its planning stages, when it's easy to make changes, when it's easy mm -hmm. to decide that you want a building to be blast resistant. But then once a facility is in place, it, it changes over time. The process conditions change, mm -hmm. uh, new infrastructures added to the to the operation, and so that that risk uh, characterization uh, needs to be evergreen as changes are made. Mm -hmm. Okay. So with the large number of investments we see that are going into the hydrogen economy and a lot of these new companies that you uh, talked about earlier entering the, tech, the hydrogen technology space, um, what, what particular challenges do you foresee for these companies that are entering the, the hydrogen space now from a safety perspective? And, and what advice would you give to these companies to face these challenges? Well, my, my advice would, would be to take a page out of the, of the book that's already been written from the people that have been dealing with hydrogen for a long time, uh, refineries and, and, and chemical plants. Uh, they've done a, a really an excellent job, uh, by and large, of implementing process safety management programs, where uh, first, as, as part of that process safety management program, they identify that this is a hazard. They recognize that, that the issue is real that they uh, analyze and characterize the, the hazards and the risk that are posed and then mitigate them to a level that's tolerable. But it all starts off with, you know, A, a, a commitment to, to process safety and, and B, a recognition that this is a real hazard and that you really have to go through a, a risk characterization process in order to quantify that hazard. And then to identify, do you need to take risk mitigation actions? And if so, what risk mitigation actions are the right ones to get, to get your risk to a tolerable level? Mm -hmm. And again, this, this is nothing new. Uh, this, this is something that 
uh, uh, people in the refining industry, people in the, in the petrochemical industry, people in the chemical industry have, have been dealing with for decades mm -hmm. uh, that the hazards posed by flammable gas, including hydrogen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think just over the past um, few decades in particular, I think we've seen a, um, it, you know, in the hydrocarbon processing industry, we've seen a, a big focus on the importance of process safety messaging coming from the top of organizations. And so, you know, I, 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 uh, I think that that is certainly something to take into consideration um, as far as, you know, having that, uh, the importance of process safety management, um, you know, that messaging coming and rolling from the top down and, and you know, um, having that in place, uh, you know, uh, at the highest levels of the organization and the emphasis placed there so that it's not the people, you know, at the, at the bottom of an organization that are responsible for saying, hey, we, we need to have these safeguards in place and trying to, you know, struggle to get them there. Oh, absolutely. You have to have a commitment at the top in terms of providing the resources and the capital in order mm -hmm. to to solve the, the problem in order to address the hazards. Now you also need the, the, the buy-in at the bottom uh, mm -hmm. because of those are the guys that are in the field and operating the process. And they have yes. to mm -hmm. understand the hazard and, and appreciate the hazard and believe that they're empowered to, to do something about it. Absolutely. Um, so that, that kind of leads me to my, my last question for you today on our podcast. So um, when you think about hydrogen technologies rolling out to the general public, are there any aspects um, with regard to, to safety and risk that keep you up at night, so to speak? Yeah, um, I, I really have confidence that the, you know, that the companies involved in the, in the production and the transport and the distribution of hydrogen will, will get it right. There may be some hiccups along the way, but, but I, I believe they'll get it right. We've mm -hmm. seen companies get it right in the refining and the chemical and the, and the petrochemical industry. So I, you know, I'm very optimistic that, that, that these same type of companies will, will get it right uh, in the hydrogen economy. Uh, my, my fear is, uh, or what keeps me up at night is, is more what happens on the end user uh, uh, portion of the chain. Mm -hmm. we, we unfortunately uh, get involved in the investigation of accidental explosions at, at people's homes and businesses involving the, the use of natural gas and, and, and mm -hmm. propane. And uh, most often, not, not always, but most often it, it's due to misuse. Uh, mm -hmm. We see the same thing in uh, gasoline filling stations uh, with, with people taking actions that, that, that aren't advisable that, that lead to fires. Mm -hmm. uh, and so <clears throat> my real uh, fear would be that we have problems at the <clears throat> end use of the chain with hydrogen uh, that, that could lead people to believe that, that hydrogen is unsafe. And, there, and there's nothing, uh, you know, uh, quote unquote, un, unsafe about hydrogen. It, it has risk, as does any flammable gas or liquid. Mm -hmm. And those risks need to be understood and they need to be characterized and then they need to be uh, mitigated to a tolerable level. Uh, but if we go into the kind of a, a hydrogen economy, uh, selling the message that, that there's no risk, mm -hmm. that, that this is as you know, safe as cotton candy, and then we have uh, incidents that occur at, at end use applications, uh, why then we could lose the confidence of the public. And uh, my, my background's nuclear engineering. And so that's uh, losing the confidence of the, of the public is a fairly scary thing to me. And, and that does worry me in the wee hours of the night sometimes. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, well, that is certainly something to uh, to be worked on by the by the industry as a whole, and to um, you know to address so that um, you know as as uh, these technologies and and these capabilities to use hydrogen as an energy as an, and as a fuel, you know, are um, available to end users and to the public that um, it's used properly and that people understand. Um, you know, how to responsibly use it and, and what the risks are. Because, you know, as you said, it's not inherently um, dangerous, but, if, you know, the use of, of all chemicals comes with a risk. So, um, yeah, uh, appreciate you sharing your insights with our podcast audience, Dr. Thomas. Uh, appreciate your time today. And um, just as a reminder to our audience, if you enjoyed the episode, uh, please remember to share and subscribe to the H2 Tech Talk podcast on iTunes or Blueberry. And again, thanks to Dr. Thomas for his insights and his time. And thank you for having me on. I appreciate it.